Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Making history, Biden on the picket line supporting the UAW in Michigan. A giant in steel labor passes away. And today on the show, the latest from the National Treasury Employees Union and our independent labor voice, Tom Buffenbarger. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 26th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We are going to start things off with the new national president of the National Treasury Employees Union. That would be Doreen Greenwald. A little background on her. She's been a frontline federal employee for 35 years. In fact, she was on the show about a year ago. She was elected national president about six, seven weeks ago in early August. And as the union's top elected official, she is the spokesperson for the NTEU, representing them in the media, in Congress, and agency leadership on issues important to union members as well as federal employees. Doreen was previously the special assistant to the national president. That was Tony Reardon. In fact, we talked to Tony just before he left office at the uh, end of July. And uh, Doreen spent her federal career, her entire federal career, at the IRS, where she worked as a revenue officer and served for 14 years as president of Chapter 1, which is based in Wisconsin. She'll talk about her time at the IRS, and she'll talk about what may happen here this weekend with a possible shutdown. And I urge you to go to the uh, NTEU website because there's a lot of miscommunication and, and wrong perceptions about federal employees. We, we touched on this last week with the American Federation of Government Employees and uh, the, the impact, the impact of a possible shutdown could be devastating. Every single member of Congress, every single member of Congress has thousands of constituents whose paychecks would stop during a federal shutdown. Doreen is quoted as saying, a government shutdown is not harmless. Federal employees in every American community will lose income through no fault of their own. And in many cases, they'll be locked out of doing the work they were hired to do for the American people. And there's some numbers on this, too. If you go to that website, the other issue we're going to talk about is the possibility should Trump or some far right conservative win the 2024 election. A couple of uh, far right think tanks led by the Heritage Foundation came up with what they call Project 2025. It's a handbook, 1000 pages, and the whole idea is to dismantle the federal government. I mean, just wipe it out. Get rid of civil service protections and fire 50,000 employees because they feel they're left-wing leaning. That's pretty much what's at stake right now. The Biden administration is trying to pull some stops on this, and Doreen is going to talk about that. Tom Buffenbarger, our independent labor observer, former general president of the Machinists and Aerospace Workers, will be joining us later in the show. 
and uh, he is going to talk about uh, a possible shutdown as well. The other story that Tom's going to pick up on is the CEO of Boeing, and Tom knows Boeing very well, especially since he represented the Boeing workers over the years as general president. But their CEO, David Calhoun, has been using the company jet to fly to the office. In the meantime, he's telling everybody else that they have to show up for work. You know, the pandemic's over. You can't work from home anymore. But he has gone beyond that. He's flying, been flying around the entire world using the private jet. Oh, the life of a CEO. Gotta love it. Tom uh, Buffenbarger, our second guest right here on the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. I want to start off with some very, very sad news here. The passing of Tom Conway, international president of the United Steelworkers, one of the great sponsors here of America's workforce. I heard about this yesterday from a dear friend, Pat Gallagher, who we just had on the show last week. Tom passed away yesterday at the age of 71. He was elected as the union's president just four years ago. This is posted right on the USW website from his earliest time making steel to his steady hand leading us through the darkest days of the pandemic. Tom followed two simple guiding principles. Number one, the dignity of work and the power of working people. That comment from Dave McCall the USW's International Vice President of Administration. Dave went on to say Tom was never afraid of a fight, and thanks to his ingenuity and determination, generations of workers can enjoy better jobs and a brighter future. Conway relished going toe-to-toe with top leaders of some of the biggest corporations where USW members work, and over the course of his career, he became one of the union's most accomplished contract negotiators in steel, aluminum, oil, and other major industries, often, often directing bargaining during crises. As president, he also spearheaded innovative initiatives to organize more workers into the labor movement, extending the benefits of union representation to workers in a variety of fields from manufacturing along to higher education. Sadly, the passing of Tom Conway, president of the United Steelworkers at the age of 71. Again, this is posted on usw.org. This is day number 12 of the UAW strike, and this is pretty historic because we got the President of the United States of America on a picket line. President Biden announced over the weekend that he was going to go to Michigan today, and it's happening today. And this is pretty unprecedented. According to the Associated Press, experts in presidential and U.S. labor history say they cannot recall an instance when a sitting president joined an ongoing strike. They point out that Theodore Roosevelt invited labor leaders alongside mine operators to the White House, and that was amid a historic coal strike back in 1902, a decision that was seen at the time as a rare embrace of unions as Roosevelt try to resolve the dispute. And then there's all the things that FDR did when he was president. Lawmakers often appear at strikes to show solidarity with unions. And during his 2020 Democratic primary campaign, Biden and other presidential hopefuls joined a picket line of hundreds of casino workers in Las Vegas who were pushing for a contract with the Palms Casino. But sitting president's different story. Sitting presidents who have to balance the rights of workers with disruptions to the economy 
supply chains and other facets of everyday life have long awaited a stay out of a strike. Eric Loomis is a professor at the University of Rhode Island and an expert on U.S. labor history. Eric said, this is truly unprecedented. No president has ever walked a picket line before. Presidents historically avoided direct participations in strikes. They saw themselves more as mediators. They did not see it as their place to directly intervene in a strike or a labor action. So Biden's trip to join a picket line in the suburbs of Detroit is the most significant demonstration of his tenure in office. Pretty amazing. Now, Trump plans to go there tomorrow. Whether or not he'll go to a picket line, well, that remains to be seen. And the question on that one, how will he be treated on that picket line? All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the new president of the National Treasury Employees Union. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at CWA-Union.org. Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Real simple, AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to the nation's capital. And joining us on our live line right now is Doreen Greenwald. She is the new president of the National Treasury Employees Union, replacing Tony Reardon 
who retired pretty much at the uh, the end of July. We've had Tony on the show many, many times over the years. And Doreen, I believe, filled in for one of those segments about a year ago. NTEU.org is the uh, website. Doreen, Madam President, I guess I should call you. Thanks for uh, joining us here on America's Workforce. Has it sunk in? I'm just wondering here. It's, you've been on the job for, what is it, six weeks now. Has it sunk in that you're the president of this 150,000-member union? It has sunk in, and thank you for having me on today. Um, Tony did a, a remarkable job as our national leader, and I'm, I'm really proud and honored to represent the 150,000 federal employees that uh, NTU covers in 35 federal agencies. So it's an honor, and I'm a little over a month in this role, and we have a lot of things on our slate to look out for for federal employees. So oh, yeah. I'm ready to oh, get yeah. to work. <laughs> yeah, especially this week with a possible shutdown of the federal government. Before we get into that, I was reading earlier your your background. Now, you're, you're, you worked in Wisconsin pretty much with the Internal Revenue Service. I'll let you pick it up from there. Talk to me about your time serving the federal government. Sure. So I spent 35 years with the Internal Revenue Service as a federal employee. Um, I know firsthand what federal employees experience working for the government. I know uh, federal employees are hardworking, dedicated to the mission of their agencies, and really deliver for the American people. Often, if you listen to the noise, um, you hear a lot of negativity about federal employees. And I will tell you, working side by side with federal employees for 35 years, um, that noise is false. And so my job, and I'm, I'm pleased to pick up the mantle at NTU, is to carry forward the facts about federal employees and how much they do to make sure this country is a success. And so I really think being in Wisconsin for the bulk of my, for all of my federal career, um, really gave me uh, a good view of what it's like uh, coming from the Midwest. Um, often people think the federal government is only in Washington, D.C., and the fact is 85% of federal employees work throughout the country, and many people don't realize that. So um, it gave me a great perspective, and I moved to Washington, D.C. to lead this union, and I'm happy to do that. How are we doing with funding the IRS? Because I know there's some conservatives that want to take on. Well, they've already succeeded in taking some of the money away. And that was the Inflation Reduction Act. And the fact is, I mean, there's a shortage of agents and there's a lot of taxes that need to be collected. So where do we stand on that right now, Doreen? So as you mentioned, the IRA Inflation Reduction Act funding was a huge um, success for the Biden administration because it funds not only the IRS in a large way, but it funds other agencies to get the work done of the American people. The IRS brings in around 96% of all that the federal government uses to fund programs, military operations, all different things that we've come to rely on as citizens of this country. And so not having a properly funded IRS is not good for the country. And so as you may know, I mean, the IRS is a voluntary compliance system for, for tax compliance. Nobody loves to pay taxes, I get it, but it's a necessary uh, means to have a, a functioning and successful government. And so to have the right funding for the government, and I know there's been a lot said about, you know, ramping up IRS and, and overfunding them and, and, you know, really building a, a huge workforce. Really what the bulk of the IRA funding did 
was restore the IRS to functioning levels because over the last decade, they have just been gutted with um, freezes and budget cuts, which left them without a sufficient workforce to do the work that is necessary to collect from uh, taxpayers that aren't living up to their expectations. It also caused taxpayers who want to do the right thing to suffer because they couldn't get their questions answered because there wasn't mm -hmm. enough staffing there. And so this funding was really a shot in the arm to make sure they could deliver for the American people. And as you said, with the debt ceiling debate that happened earlier this year in, in May and June, and they took a hit from the IRA funding to, to reach a deal. And now we have people on the Hill, specifically in the House, who are trying to hold up appropriations funding. And the Senate has been heavily at work working those appropriations on a bipartisan way in accordance with the debt ceiling deal that they passed several months ago, where the House is not. And they're trying to take even further cuts to the IRS and other agencies across the government that will harm taxpayers and the American people. And so here we are, days away from when the funding runs out for the majority of the federal government and no deal in sight. And so it is a stressful time for federal employees and it should be a stressful time for the American public because you elect people to go to Congress to do the work of the American people. And that work is about solving problems, not shutting down the government. You know, I was reading your uh, the latest release from the National Treasury Employees Union earlier in the show. NTEU.org is the website. And there's there's a perception out there that, oh, if you shut down the government, no big deal. In fact, Trump is saying, shut it down, shut it down. But it, it's not a harmless act. It, it's It's important to know that federal employees are in every American community. And maybe you could run down some of the uh, the numbers on this. There's thousands, every member of Congress, every member of Congress has thousands of constituents who work in the federal government. So they're screwing their own voters if if they decide to, uh, to shut down the government. Can you add to that, uh, Doreen? Exactly. Um, as, you, as I said earlier, 85% of federal employees work outside of Washington, D.C. On average, over 4,000 federal employees are in each con con um, congressional district. So they are absolutely not working in the interest of their constituents. And this is huge. I mean, everybody who is doing this work is doing it for the American people. So not only will it harm federal employees, because federal employees are just like you and me, they're your neighbors, your family, your friends, they work paycheck to paycheck. And they deliver, they're there doing jobs that are necessary for the American people. So when you shut that down, you stop delivering services that people rely on. And not only that, it's inefficient because it costs money to shut down the government and start it up. Right now, agencies are focusing their resources on developing plans on what to do in the event of a shutdown. And then they have to go through a process of, you know, restarting it up once an agreement is finally reached. All of that is wasted funds and wasted time when they should be delivering for the American people. And it's through no fault of their own that this happens. Congress should avoid this and do everything it can to keep the doors open and keep people working. That's the whole part of this. You're arguing about saving money when shutting down is costing the government money and not delivering anything for the American people.
We're talking billions of dollars. We're talking billions of dollars if that shutdown happens. We should point out that the NTEU, the National Treasury Employees Union, represents employees in 35 federal agencies and offices. Just to run down a few here. Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the EPA, the FCC, the Food and Drug Administration. Now, I have to pick your brain on this one. Now, you got a background in the IRS, <laughs> I, I think they're going to shut down the IRS and the other. This is a two-part question, Doreen. Aren't these same people concerned about the border between the United States and Mexico? And I'm reading Customs and Border Protection. You have members there. What's going to happen there if we have a federal shutdown? Are these are are there essential workers and they have to stay on the job? What's the answer to that? Well, we're still waiting for the final plans from each of the agencies, which identify who's, who they deem essential. From my perspective, all federal employees are essential. That's what they're hired. They're there to do a job. Many will be determined that they are essential. And often our uh, CBP officers that protect the border and are monitoring things coming into the country to make sure it's safe for, for the country are essential. So what that means is you have to go to work without a paycheck. And so as we saw with the 35-day shutdown, people were required to go to work. Many people are, are single parents. You have to go to work. You have to put gas in your car. You have to pay for daycare. And guess what? You're not getting a paycheck. So not only are you required to go and do your work without getting paid, you still have to figure out a way to make that happen while the government um, figures out what they're going to do with figuring out appropriations. So can you imagine being a single parent leaving paycheck to paycheck, your paycheck stops, you have to figure out how you put food on the table for your family, how you're going to get to work, how you're going to take care of your children in that process. And even once the government comes back online, it takes weeks and months to pay back pay to, to federal employees. And so this is a very difficult process for employees. It's stressful. And it, it takes the focus off the jobs that they're hired to do. This has to be devastating for the morale of those who are working for the federal government, especially in your union, the uh, Treasury National Treasury Employees Union. What are they saying right now? Because, as you pointed out, the Biden administration is preparing for a shutdown. They have to. I mean, because these talks are going nowhere. Um, what's the reaction right now, Doreen? Well, I'll tell you, morale has been low since the 35-day shutdown. As additional funding has come into agencies and there's been a push to hire, it's helped somewhat. But this does, uh, first of all, it's a huge hit to hiring at the federal government. The um, econ economic market for new hires is already a struggle across not just government, but across private sector as well. So then you add these games that are being played with the federal employees as pawns, who wants to come and work for a federal government with the thought that you could not get paid at any given moment because of something going on in Congress, like a death ceiling or a not passing an appropriation. And then you have the federal employees themselves who feel like exactly pawns in this game. Through no fault of their own, they want to come to work and do the job they were hired to do. And yet they have to either come to work without a paycheck or they have to sit at home and wait to see when they can come back to work and then hope they get paid relatively soon when they come back to work. So it, it devastates morale. 
And it doesn't show the respect that the government show for its own workforce. They are doing the work that they were hired to do, that Congress passed for them to do, and they should have their backs in doing that work. And so it is devastating to the morale. We've gone out early to warn people because we know how hard it is for them to make ends meet, to start preparing. But if you lived paycheck to paycheck, there's only so much you can do to prepare to have no paycheck coming in. And so this this really just devastates their morale. And again, 60% of the American public, three out of five workers, live paycheck to paycheck in America. That's a fact. Doreen Greenwald joining us on our live line today. She is the new national president of the National Treasury Employees Union. Website nteu.org. On Facebook, it's NTEU National. And you can follow them on Twitter at NTEU News. We'll continue with Doreen. Later in the show, we're going to check in with our independent labor voice, Tom Buffenbarger, who's going to talk about the <laughs> the life and times of Boeing CEO flying on a corporate jet. Took 400 trips in the past year. Boy, I tell you, there's a life that I guess a lot of people would like to have. We'll be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF. GE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are Steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. 
Let's go back to our live line, rejoin Doreen Greenwald, who about six, seven weeks ago became the new president of the National Treasury Employees Union, nteu.org. We talked about a possible shutdown of the federal government. Now, if we get someone like Trump or a hard-right conservative in the Oval Office next year, there is a game plan. It's called Project 2025, which would more or less dismantle the federal government. You've heard Trump talk about the deep state, the administrative state, and it's all because of those horrible federal employees that don't listen to orders. So he wants to get rid of them and replace them with people that like him or whoever takes over. Hopefully Biden would win that election, but that's another story. Doreen, this is pretty scary, but apparently uh, the Biden administration is trying to hedge this. Can you tell us what's going on right now? Sure. This is very scary, as you said. I mean, the thought that a future president would want to have only people in the government that are loyal to his positions versus having the right workforce that is skilled and knowledgeable about the work they've been hired to do. It's just terrifying. The whole idea around a merit-based civil service system is not to have partisanship. I was a federal employee for 35 years. I took an oath to the Constitution, not to a president. I worked under a number of administrations. My job was to bring the skills and the knowledge I had to do my job. And it didn't matter who was in charge of the presidency. We followed the guidance of our organization. But in the end, it wasn't political. Could you imagine having people that are servicing you and wouldn't service you because you didn't believe the way they did or you didn't have the same political affiliation? And that's what this concept is about, is about removing people who don't follow the party line, whatever that may be. And that is not good no matter who the administration is. The basics of a civil service is to make sure we are hiring skilled people. And I will tell you, working with my colleagues in the federal government, they are nonpartisan professionals qualified to do the work they do. And that's what it should be. And so anybody who has a playbook to come up with a way to remove people just because they don't think the way I do is scary. So what has the current administration done to prevent this? And I'm just wondering if it's, if it's, if it's enough there to prevent it. What, what's this? I, mean, I guess this is part of a, what they call a new Schedule F. Can you uh, kind of unwind that for us a bit? So if you may recall, under, toward the end of the last administration, they put out an executive order that kind of created the Schedule F. And we were on defense trying to block it in, in ways – because we knew it was harming federal workers if it went into play. So now, since 2020, NTU has been actively looking at ways to put some roadblocks in place so an an executive order of that nature could not be easily implemented. And why did we do that? Because it it, it accomplishes three really important things. First of all, having regulations that OPM is, is supportive of and has... Um, really adopted these kind of regulations will protect the basic rights of frontline federal employees. And it's going to preserve our merit-based civil service system and ensure that the American people continue to be served by qualified nonpartisan professionals in every single agency. 
And so that is huge. Um, and, and so we're backing this regulation. We believe it's necessary to protect that and protect the civil service protection of our federal workforce. My question, Doreen, if uh, if what Biden has in place right now uh, is in place with a different president, could that president reverse it? I mean, do they have the power to do that kind of thing? Well, any president has the authority to to try and make changes. Obviously, they would have to go through a similar process as what the Biden administration is doing to change regulations. You know, our goal as a union is to make sure the American people understand what's really at play here Mm -hmm. so that there is time. I mean, you're hearing stories out there of why this is necessary. You know, I've heard the the, um, comments like, well, you know, the reason this is a problem is, you know, you have all these left wing federal employees who, you know, won't do their work. Well, first of all, again, I work for the federal government in the state of Wisconsin for 35 years. My colleagues politically were Republicans, independents and Democrats. They mirrored the, the, the country and so does our union membership. Mm-hmm. That said, federal workers in their jobs are nonpartisan. So whatever they may vote for outside of work, they do not bring that into the workplace. There's no room for that in the workplace. And so um, federal employees are covered by the Hatch Act. They have very specific rules about what they can do and can't do in the workplace. So that is false, that there is a left-wing or or deep state uh, among the federal government. So knowing that federal employees do not align themselves with any political party it's important to have that skilled workforce. You want people that are the best at what they can do at their jobs and do it efficiently. You don't want somebody who has no knowledge of what they do. We've seen people in positions of power who weren't up for the position and the danger that causes. So when you have a pandemic, you want scientists who follow the science and can guide the American people. You want people in the Security and Exchange Commission to be able to regulate banking industries so that they have knowledge about that and can audit things. You want people at the IRS who are legitimately auditing businesses, not because of their political beliefs, but because that they're following the tax laws passed by Congress. That's the importance of the civil service and having the right people in the right jobs. Well, let's just hope that uh, that plan does not take effect. In the meantime, um, you have to prepare for it because there is a possibility there. Can you tell us what your union, the National Treasury Employees Union, is doing at this stage? Obviously, you know, Biden is doing his thing. Number one, I would assume you got to educate your members. But beyond that, Doreen, what's what's the game plan here? Because you got to prepare for, for this kind of thing to happen. Well, I will tell you, we're going to use every tool in our toolbox to fight against something like this. First, as as you said, we are educating our members. They understand the importance of not having a Schedule F. Second of all, we were the drivers behind the regulations that OPM is working to adopt to change this. We saw this coming in 2020, and we requested regulations from OPM about this. So we were the drivers of that change. In addition, we're going to work on the Hill to see what can be done to put some protections in place to further support the civil service system and make sure that civil civil servants not only are not um, uh, politicized, 
but also that they have constitutional and due process rights to protect their employment. So in the event that something changes of this nature and they are that they are attempted to be removed because they are not following a political whim or allegiance or loyalty to a president, that they have some appeal rights and protections. So we're going to be doing everything we can to protect the federal workforce. But this is more than about federal employees. This is about making sure our government operates the way it was envisioned to operate and that it does not report solely to whoever is in the, the um, Oval Office. I mean, obviously, they have, you know, federal appointees that are political in nature. That still is part of the game, but that should not come down to the federal frontline workers who deliver for the American people. And we're going to do everything in our power to keep that from happening. You have to. Well, Doreen, I could tell by your your voice, your passion here, you're up to the task. And it's interesting. Six weeks, seven weeks on the job. You're facing a federal shutdown and then a possible dismantling of the federal government. So I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. But uh, all I can say, you've got the full support of this radio show and podcast, America's Workforce. We become a big voice in organized labor. We are now in the top 1% of all podcasts in the United, actually in the world, beyond the United States of America. So, you know, you, you've got a, a large audience here, so please keep in touch with this on all the issues that's happening with the National Treasury Employees Union, okay? Thank you for having me on and for all you do for getting the voice out for unions and labor. Uh, it's an important information, and, and I thank you for having me on. Doreen Greenwald. National President of the National Treasury Employees Union. Do check out their website, nteu.org. We're going to take a quick break. Tom Buffenbarger, our independent labor voice, coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Liuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Liuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at IFPTE.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. 
America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. It's crazy. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be replaced by machines. So the jig is up, AMPTP. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's go. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to line number two. Welcome a dear friend, our independent labor voice, former general president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. That would be Mr. Thomas Buffenbarger. Lots to talk about today. I want to talk about the uh, the head guy at Boeing who's uh, flying around on one of their jets. They have a fleet of jets, and he took a bunch of trips around the country. In the meantime, Boeing is telling all their employees to get back in the office. Pandemic is over. Get back to work. But the CEO, well, different story there. Also, uh, we're going to talk about the shutdown, but sad news. I mentioned this at the top of the show. Tom Conway, international president of the United Steelworkers, passed away yesterday at the age of 71. Tommy, I knew you when you were leader of the machinists. You were in all the labor circles. You knew Leo Girard, who is uh, who's still living in Canada. He's kind of hunkered down in Canada. And then uh, Tom Conway replaced him just four four years ago. It was uh, 2019. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to hear your perspective of the late, great Tom Conway. Go ahead, brother. Well, I, I flash I knew Tom Conway and met him for the first time when we had uh, a little contest going on. In Middletown, Ohio, there's a large steel-making plant called we knew it as Armco. It morphed into AK Steel. Now it's Cleveland Cliffs Steel. Uh, the employees there had an independent union formed in 1943 called the Armco Employees Independent Federation. And they always resisted affiliating with a bigger union, for instance, the steelworkers. The steelworkers over the years made several attempts to organize it or get them to merge. And uh, finally, the day came, AK had a huge strike that went on for about a year. And they came to the machinist union and asked if uh, we could help. Well, they wanted to affiliate. And so we had to have an election because Tom Conway from the Steelworkers showed up and said, no, that's our industry. We want in. So we had a contest in a a NLRB supervised type of vote. And uh, the machinist won that contest. And today we represent the great members there at uh, Cleveland Cliffs, 2,300 of them. Now, During this campaign, um, Tom would go in. He was the head organizer at that time for the steelworkers. 
and he would make the pitch on why the steelworkers were the union. And uh, I went into southern Ohio and met with the employees at the company-owned, the employee-owned park there, and we had a, a big confab and a meeting, and I made my pitch. And when the vote was finally held, the machinists won by a large margin. And Tom Conway called me up and he says, you know, it was a hard sell, Tom, because I found out you grew up in that area and know so many of those employees personally. I had no idea. I would have adjusted my pitch to them had I known that. And in this large group were people I grew up with, went to school with, played with. Um, and uh, it kind of helped us turn the uh, turn everything out good for the machinist union. Tom and I have teased each other over all these years. That was in 2006 uh, over that that episode. And uh, I found that as time went on, we became pretty good friends. And uh, it's just sad to see him. Uh, go already it's uh age-wise it hits close to home to me because we're all about the same age and um i think the steel workers have lost a great union leader and uh it's a sad day for him and i extend my deepest condolences to them and his family yeah it was a true shock i mean i didn't see this well we never see this coming You'll never see this coming, but 71, way too young. What a great guy, Tom Conway. By the way, there's a real good post on the Steelworkers website, usw.org. USW mourns the passing of international president Tom Conway. And what we're doing on the show as we speak, our uh, producer, BMA Media, is going through some of the old shows that uh, I did with Tom, and we'll do a tribute to him in the not-too-distant future. All right, let's uh, switch gears here. Just got off the phone before you with uh, Doreen Greenwald of the National Treasury Employees Union. Tom, you got to be shaking your head right now because these bozos, just a couple of them in Washington, want to shut down the government. They're all listening to uh, Mr. Trump on this. Shut it down. Shut it down. They think it's a good idea. <laughs> Tom, uh, Tom, your uh, head's got to be spinning on this right now. I, I uh, It's beyond spinning. I think it came off, uh, Flash. It's... I cannot believe that in 2023, the United States is at this juncture where we have politicians saying, shutting down the government and denying the taxpaying citizens the service that they render their taxes for. Somebody thinks that's a good idea. They're nuts. But then when I stop and think about it, Donald Trump, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Lauren Boebert, uh, all these people are out there pushing to shut this government down at a critical time when we're just coming off the effects of a worldwide pandemic. I, 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 I'm flustered. I don't know what to say. This is going to hurt a lot of people, a lot of communities, a lot of businesses, and it's going to jeopardize the rebound we're making, and it's happening from uh, coming out of COVID and all this other stuff. Flash, there needs to be a reality check 
in, a, in the hearts of Americans. We can't afford to keep playing games with politics. And that's what Washington, D.C. seems to have devolved into. It's a game now on issues that are frivolous. They're sideline, sideshow issues. People care about a steady job with good wages, benefits, and they can expect to retire with some dignity. Those are the things we need to focus on in a climate where we have schools, health care, job protection, air and water to breathe and drink that's safe. These are the important issues coming at Americans. And to stop it all, to shut it down for politics' sake, is just unacceptable. It's unbelievable and unacceptable. we got to wake up and elect the people to office that uh, will do something to earn their paycheck. You know, Congress gets paid if the government shuts down. Their paycheck doesn't stop. Their benefits don't stop. And I think we need, if anything, a little bit of uh, reality for them, too, is if the government shuts down, their paycheck stops, too, because they're doing nothing to earn it. Good point. Very good point. All right, one uh, one more issue here, and you know Boeing all too well, especially when you were head of the machinist union, came across this story about uh, their CEO and I guess a couple people at the top who are living the high life. In the meantime, they're telling staff to go back to the office, no more, no more work at home, nothing virtual anymore. But uh, apparently records show that the CEO who uh, joined the company in January of 2020 used the company's private planes to jet around. Well, he took it to the office, but he also went to California, Texas, a couple places in Florida. Let's see, uh, some of them outside the country, Dublin, the Turks, and Caicos Islands. Tom, what's going on here? Well, he's trying to sell uh, Boeing jets to uh, the Turks and Caicos Airlines, I guess. I don't know. I didn't know they had one. But, Flash, let me say this much. You know, during the pandemic, all our members had to go to work. Uh-huh. And those that could work remotely, they allowed that to happen. Now they're stopping that, ordering everybody back to work. And the only people who don't want to go back is the chairman and the top officers. They're using Boeing's private fleet of planes to jet around. I mean, to take a jet to work when he goes to work. Now, the common thing here is the people we're talking about are all from former GE folks from Cincinnati who came up through GE Aviation. So the current chairman, David Calhoun, comes from GE in Cincinnati. Two previous chairmen of Boeing, Harry Stonecipher and Jim McNerney, came from GE Aviation in Cincinnati. And they got used to this type of life when they worked for a guy named Jack Welch, who brought them up and taught them how to be the businessmen they are. And that was simply to figure out how you can get it all for yourself and the heck with everybody else. And so this is 
there needs to be a wake-up call for the business leaders of this country as well. I'm looking, I follow the UAW and their strike right now with the automakers, and I've heard commentary on the local news that, that, well, they're asking for an outrageous 40% increase. Well, Mm -hmm. let me tell you what, it wasn't outrageous for the chairman of General Motors and Ford and Stellantis to give themselves 40% increases. What's wrong with the employees having a piece of the wealth they create for this company? And it's just the, the business, the upper echelon of big business is now totally out of touch with reality. Boeing and the story about not one of the executives not reporting back to the office is just the tip of the iceberg because there's more of them out there that are perpetrating the same back-to-work rules on their employees when they themselves don't want to show up. I, uh, I, I just think there's a big reckoning coming, and maybe it's beginning with the UAW that something's got to change here. And I wish the UAW all the uh, best of luck in this, and uh, I'm hoping they can pull out that good contract. Um, they've got a, a tough road with these companies. They don't really understand where the employees are coming from, but having grown up around a lot of UAW people and the plant that I came out of, the General Electric plant in Cincinnati, we share that with the UAW. And uh, I'm, I'm rooting for them to win this contest. It is a fight between the haves and the have-nots, no question. And the good news, Tommy, the public's on the side of the auto workers, 75%, according to the latest Gallup poll, supporting the auto workers right now. It's it's a different climate, and I say this on the show all the time. The pandemic changed all that, so hopefully they'll stay strong. They seem to be getting close with Ford, very close, so hopefully uh, that'll set a pattern for the other ones. But thank you for your comments. I appreciate what you bring to the table, brother. You take care, stay safe, and we'll talk next month, okay? Absolutely. Best to you and your listeners, Flash. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the heat and frost insulators and Notre Dame's labor program. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.